Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, joined once again by my great friend, J.D. Hall. J.D., um, no curveball today. I think this, we have some of the best timing in the world. We would plan to record, I would say, what, about earlier this week? We said Thursday night. Yeah. Um, I think we willed today's trade news into existence. I think they just knew what it was like. <laughs> the universe decided, hey, let's give Alex and JD, you know, something something to talk about but um of course if you're an nba fan you know exactly what we're talking about um donovan mitchell was traded to the cleveland cavaliers today um i have woge's twitter pulled up so i can tell you the exact details of the trade um donovan mitchell going to cleveland lowry marketing ochaya ojabi colin sexton in a sign and trade three unprotected first round picks and two swaps are going back to Cleveland or going back to Utah. Um, I feel like we got to start with Cleveland, JD. Um, you know, I am probably the biggest Colin Sexton fan in the world. I probably like Colin Sexton more than his own mother. I don't think that's, <laughs> I, I think based on what we both know about me, I don't think that's an unfair statement. Um, that's still a big time upgrade. Especially if Mitchell plays up to his defensive capabilities. Markinen, I thought, had a good season last year, but got exposed in the playing game, and Akjabi was a rookie. I mean, JD, am I crazy for saying that the Cavs might have just pushed themselves into competing for the Eastern Conference Finals? Um, yes. One reason being, I don't feel they needed another guard. I feel like Akjabi was the perfect match next to that uh, backcourt and you could put him next to the bids because he complimented them well. And he actually will play to his defensive potential that we have saw. Yeah, he haven't played in the NBA yet, but I was I loved it. As far as Cleveland went last year, we got to remember like Evan Mobley was st- learning to still create his own shot. Versus the other bigs, right? So outside of Garland creating for others, they didn't have nothing. Seston didn't play at all. Colin Seston seeing that, I think, could have came in and actually realized, oh, I got to play without the ball. Like, these dudes really good. He had something to come back and prove. I would have wanted to see that. And... um. With Mitchell, I don't want to see um. What's the kid name? They always got a smile for it. Um, Acoro. I don't think he's a good fit. <laughs> Probably not. He's a he's a nice slasher. He tries like he's a decent defender, but Garland not locking you. Mitchell definitely not locking you. I think our jobby had the. Highest upside on defense, right? For the wings and the guards. And then. It's completely fair. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. 
they're going to do what they do. They protect the rim at a great level. Why make it harder on them by allowing nothing but guards, which this is a guard for elite. Everybody is getting to the rim because they're that elite. Why every play, you got to put that pressure on a big to continue to rotate, to continue to step over. When you can actually have a wing, I'm not saying Ajabi was going to clamp nobody, but he, he would fight harder than Donovan Mitchell. And he's a he's a good shooter. Seston can shoot and penetrate. Give him a chance. And then we see what Garland can do. The bees fed off of Garland. Donovan Mitchell can't pass. He do the same three passes. Yes. And you know, I used to you don't know a person his rookie year higher than him than I was. I love Donovan Mitchell. Did I say he was rookie of the year? Of course not. I said Ben Simmons was. That's another debate. But I was very high on Donovan Mitchell until these last two playoffs. Until these last two playoffs, I was very high on Donovan Mitchell. He showed no progression. At least with Colin Sester, we know one thing. He's a competitor. I'm not, saying Don, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell not a competitor, but we know he can't go left. We know he can't go left, and we know he don't like to pass. Put him in just a scoring role, that's one thing. He's not going to be in just a scoring role in Cleveland because they actually play team ball. Yeah, Garland had great assist numbers, but we can't forget Kevin Love is a good passer. Markin knew how to pass. Jared Allen was an underrated passer. Evan Mobley is an underrated passer. You put them together, they pass the ball. Donovan Mitchell, he can't go. I, I like Donovan Mitchell. I'm just not impressed by him anymore. I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, I I think the move was good. I just don't think it pushes them to Eastern Conference Finals because okay. I don't think I don't think they beat Boston. <laughs> I don't think they beat Milwaukee. I'm gonna be honest, they still not the second best team in the division. Well they don't they don't beat a healthy bulls. I I don't know about that. I think they're probably better than the healthy bulls, but that one's close. Yeah. I'm not gonna act like they're like, you know, I'm not gonna act like this is like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the prime Spurs versus the prime Lakers, you know, I'm not going to act like we're talking like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that the Cavs have a lot of wiggle room still. And I think that that's probably the part I'm the most intrigued by because your points oh, are, yeah. all, your points are all very fair. Okoro can't, make a jumper to save his life. Um, I think I heard Zach Lowe say on a podcast earlier this summer that Okoro shot like 35% on open corner threes. And when he actually shot it, I think he was the most open player in the league. Um, That's not a coincidence. (laughs) If you're that open all the time, it's because they want you to be that open all the time. And he needs to get better at that jump shot, right? Otherwise, he's going to be out of the league probably in the next three years. We saw it with Chris Dunn. I mean, is Chris Dunn even on a roster right now? I don't think he is. No, he, he's not. 
and you can have all the defensive upside in the world. But if you can't make a jump shot, like a wide open jump shot, <laughs> look at the difference between a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Michael Kidd Gilchrist is probably one of the most naturally talented players to come out of the league in recent memory, I would say. Like that dude is really strong, really athletic, could probably guard everyone on earth, right? Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, I think we would both agree, is probably less talented than Michael Kidd Gilchrist on defense, but he's going to, I think Dorian Finney-Smith will probably have a 10-year NBA career because he can make a three-pointer. Same with Jared Dudley, same with P.J. Tucker. You see it all the time. <laughs> These guys need to make threes. Yeah. I think I think the real swing piece, J.D., is going to be Kevin Love. Because <laughs> Kevin Love is making $28 million expiring contract. You can flip that for somebody. Now, the question is going to be who? <laughs> and who would go for that? Well, I mean, if you're trying to get off... I'll say the Lakers. I mean... It'd be funny if he ended up getting traded for Russ. Love that, for that, Russ. That, that would definitely be the trade that they try to pull off. And what's interesting, I will see Cleveland making it. You know who's the guy I'd go after if I was a uh, Cleveland who I, who's a free agent right now? I'd try to sign Melo. I knew you was going there. I think Melo would be great for this team just because they need size at the forward spot. I mean, why but can't Melo play him and K Love together? No, but you can play so him and switch out the bit. I mean, play him in what you did with Markinen last year. I mean, I would rather have Melo doing that than Larry Markinen, wouldn't you? Okay. I can see it. But in all seriousness, like I think I I heard another point on another podcast today because I was like, you know, I'm consuming all the content about this because I'm like, this is amazing. This trade is amazing. And one of the guys, I can't remember who made the point, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to plagiarize your point, but it was a really good point. Um, Mitchell adapted and played off the ball a lot once Conley like really settled in. Cause you remember that first yeah. year Conley was there yeah. and Conley really struggled when Conley really took off in 2021, Mitchell really kind of adapted his game and like, yeah, he wasn't perfect off the ball, but I think there's something there that you can make it work with Garland. Right. And I think yeah. I, I agree that like it has potential. Don't get me wrong. I think the question is, I think I'll, they had they had something already, and now you're trying to build. I get trying to build and grow into something more, but at the cost they pay, it's going to be put up or shut up time for Darius Garland. And you know, I I'm, don't even put Garland in the situation. I say it's Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you know, I'm higher on Darius Garland than I was on Sexton, which is crazy because. I love Colin Sexton more than I love my future firstborn child. I can't go that far. I can't go that far. But in all seriousness, like I think Darius Garland's one of the most talented and best players in the league already. What he did last year, JD, I think we'd both agree. Mitchell has never done anything like what Garland did last year. Right. Right. But I think Garland is for the betterment of the team. He's probably going to have to take a scoring step back next year. I think he's probably going to have to be like, okay, this was my team last year. I'm going to have to be Steve Nash next year. And, you know, I think his vision is, we saw last year, his vision was good I enough. I think he could do it. I, I think, think he, he I, I definitely believe he could do it. My only thing would be, they will obviously do the, 
the swap outs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be Mitchell and a big Garland and a big. The placement of Garland and Jared Allen together means a whole lot because if it's Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen not getting the ball. He won't get Max. the ball. Evan Mobley can can make his own moves. Kevin Love can make his own moves. I would have to play them with Donovan Mitchell. But, but if, then if I'm Jared a, Allen out there, if I'm a team, I'm putting Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Love in pick and roll every single time. And I was just about to say another thing would be with those matchups is <laughs> Donovan Mitchell don't fight hard enough on defense. <laughs> Garland actually fights hard on defense. He's not a great defender, but he's he's a competitive defender. Donovan Mitchell has gave up on that part. I hope he falls back into it, but honestly, I'm not sure. And because of that alone, how do you make it work with the swap outs? It's a sorry for the dogs barking. Um <laughs> It just is what it is at this point. You're just going to hear them more and more as I'm living at my girlfriend's parents' place. Um, It just is going to be the reality of like, that's going to be the ultimate question. But I think, you know, you have Rubio. What are you going to do with Karis LeVert is is another question. I love that they still got Rubio. But I don't want, even if it's him and Mitch on the floor. A lot of Ricky Rubio's former teammates on this team, by the way. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and I should say, I don't want to see them go away from how they played with Rubio last year. Because actually, Jonathan Mitchell had success playing with Rubio when he was able to just score. But at the same time, when they know you are the guy as a scorer, in the playoffs, they swarming on you. In a play and they're gonna swarm you. Can you make the pass, Donovan Mitchell? We they gonna know there is gonna it's gonna be some nights where Garland has to go for 30 and Donovan Mitchell get 15 and 10. It will be nights like that. But the question is, can he make that adjustment? I think Colin Seston could have made the adjustment for the simple fact he has more to prove. He got to fight for his spot in the league coming back from that injury. He going to have to do what he has to do because he has to prove because Colin Seston is not going to go to every team and be a shoe guard. That's just not the situation. He's going to have to prove he's that combo guard. Donovan Mitchell had to try to prove that, but he has proven to only be a shooting guard. When the playoffs come and they take Darius Garland out, Ruby on the floor, and they swarm in Donovan Mitchell, can he make the right pass? Yeah. I mean, they're they're all fair questions, J.D. I think the Cavs, I mean, you know how I felt about them all year last year. I think I still think they're really dangerous. Like they were a four seed for the majority of the season with their roster crumbling. <laughs> Mitchell has been able to stay pretty healthy his entire career. Um, and, you know, they haven't had a successful version of this roster with Garland and Sexton. Now, granted, you know, Garland was a second year player the last time Colin Sexton was healthy. <laughs> it's not really Absolutely. fair to judge him, you know, 
Evan Mobley wasn't even in the league. Jared Allen was on the team for what? 50 games. So. Again, everything you got to take with a grain of salt. But now I think comes the time where J.B. Bickerstaff has expectations. Kobe Altman has expectations. You put expectations on yourself. And if you don't live up to those expectations, people are going to get fired. We see Dan Gilbert. He has a very quick trigger when it comes to firing people. He is not going to be like, oh, hey, (laughs) you know, oh, you tried your best. Better luck next year. That is not and never will be Dan Gilbert. So I'm just curious to see how this goes for the Cavs. JD, I we don't have to spend too long on the Jazz, um, but I feel like we should talk about them because they're going to blow up more pieces of their team. You know, I think probably not, maybe some more before training camp, but probably I think we'd agree the rest, you know, in January, February. Um, do you like their strategy right now? It doesn't feel like they have like a real, you know, they traded away two guys who are all NBA caliber in Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Sexton's a really good young player. Other than him, what do they have to show for it? And I know the picks, you know, like, oh, they have all these first round picks. I'm sorry. I'm not against Darius Garland and Anthony Edwards. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. So 14 picks from those two teams. JD, I, I'm just not really impressed with what the Jazz got back for those two guys. I'm going to be honest. I think they got back way more than what they deserve because I don't believe in either one of them. Well, I know you don't believe in Gobert. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. And then Donovan Mitchell, I'm sorry. The one year I believe that they could have made it to the Western Conference Finals, Ricky Rubio got down. Because they was not beating. Houston was not beating them if Rubio stayed healthy. Rubio was cutting them apart. And Donovan Mitchell had no answer, which allowed Joe Ingles to light them up as soon as Rubio went down. That pressure on Donovan Mitchell to play combo guard, it tore them up. That was the one time I believe they could have went so well. But even to not dwell on that. I just really believe that for them to really um, get all of that back for those two guys, it's a win. Like with the 14 picks, not the players in particular. I buy GL. Patrick Beverly gone, right? Uh, well, he's gone for Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah, and well, I was going to say, Taylor Horton Tucker, I don't think he's that for them. They about to lose Jordan Clarkson. He's obviously going to leave. Mike Conley is going to leave. I would really think that you will want really fresh young talent. Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, yeah, he's going to leave. Like the, the picks is good, but the players in return is what you would call flip players. Like, you ready to flip everything you got back. So what was the point of trading for them? 
ask for their young guys. If I'm if I'm um Utah, I don't want Taylor Horn Tucker. Give me Austin Reeves. Yeah. Give me the give me the younger, better player. You know, like I'm gonna ask for something like that. If I'm um Utah coming from Cleveland. I don't I, I don't I don't want Colin Sesson. I'm putting the pressure on y'all. I'm gonna put the pressure on y'all. How bad do you really want Spider? We know they said Jared Allen, Mobley, and Darius Garland was off the off the table, but this is my thing. I'm giving you a multi-time all-star. What do you have to prove that any of them is that? I want one. I want one. I mean, it's here's the thing, right? You don't include any of those guys, so you throw in a ton of first-round picks. But Garland is 22. He's not turning 23 until January. <laughs> Mobley is turning 20 or he's turning 21 next year or this year sometime. Um, Jared Allen's really young. Mitchell was, I think, a sophomore coming out of Louisville. So he's a little bit older. But if he's your old blue chip guy, JD, I'm not going to bet against that core being bad, being out of the playoffs for a good, like, unless all four of them miraculously tear their ACL at the same time, right? I'm not going to bet against them missing the playoffs. That team is a 45 win team every year, right? And here's Caleb and I were talking about this earlier, right? So when Danny Ainge made the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade, it was a smart trade. And the reason it was a smart trade is because you had a 25% chance. If your team had the worst record, of getting the first overall pick, right? So that's a one in four chance. You know, it's pretty good, right? You know, it's pretty good odds of getting the first pick if your team has the worst record. And the Nets had a pretty bad record and what? They got the first pick one time. They got the third pick, um, eighth pick in 2018, which actually, funny enough, became Colin Sexton. Yeah. So Danny Ainge won that bet, right? I mean, who did they even get back from the Nets in terms of players? Wasn't it like Keith Bogans and um? It it wasn't nothing. Gerald Wallace. It it, it literally was nothing. Yeah, which you see, he's doing the exact same thing here, right? JD, did the Nets have Anthony Edwards on their roster? No. Did they have Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen on their roster? That's why I think these are bad bets to make. Like, I understand, right? right? Like, betting against Billy King, (laughs) betting against Mikhail Prokhorov, but I don't think these are the same kind of bad owners. I don't. I don't think this is the same kind of bad organization. Like, who is the Nets' best young prospect in 2012? Is it Brooke Lopez? Ooh, 2012, you taking me back, A.B., that's 10 years. Um, He was an all-star, yeah. So, is Brooke Lopez, Darren Williams, and Joe Johnson? Those guys were already, Joe Johnson and Darren were already in the league for however many years, and Brooke was in year, like, five. J.D., that team just wasn't, 
going to, and I'm not saying, you know, these teams are going to be super teams, but it's, that's just not a bet I'd be willing to make on another team's future where I'm like, yeah, I'll take that instead of a blue chip young guy. Like, okay, I think this is a good time to transition to the Nets actually, or to the Knicks actually, because there's a report from Woj that just came out. Um, the Knicks came with an offer of three first round picks. Was it? There's three first round picks, RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and Obi Toppin. Now, JD, call me crazy. <laughs> I think I'd rather have that than what, and I, you know, I love Sexton, mm-hmm. but I'd rather have those two than Markinen and Ajabi. Yeah. I agree. I just, I don't understand. I understand why Ainge turned it down, maybe. But I feel like Barrett has a chance to be your blue chip guy. Face of your, you're not going to win, you know, 50 games with him as your best player next year. Yeah. You can tank with him as your best player. JD, if you were Danny Ainge, if you were going to blow up the jazz, you have door a, what you got from the Cavs, and door B RJ Barrett, Obi top and Mitchell Robinson and three unprotected first round picks. Which door are you taking? Honestly, honestly, I'm not mad at the ditch for extending RJ, but I definitely think they screwed themselves. I think they could have made a big move before Cleveland got involved. They the Knicks had a deadline, which means Utah wanted something. And to be honest, you know the name I would have threw out? Julius Randle. I would have threw out Julius Randle just because he proved last year once the league learned him, couldn't be surprised by him. He wasn't that guy. He can always be productive, don't get me wrong. But two years ago, we talked about Julius Randle as he made his first All-Star, you know? But last year, R.J. Barrett was the best player on the team. Why not bring in Donovan Mitchell? That way they can share the combo guard role while playing bigger. You actually allowed to play bigger, play stronger. You're gonna get a flip for Julius Randle. Even if you gotta involve a third team, you will get a flip for Julius Randle. You know a team I would have reached out to, and I don't know if it would have worked, because they do got a bunch of young talent. And Julius Randle already played there. But I would have tried to reach out to New Orleans. Bring them off y'all bench. Let let me try to get Murphy or um, my guy from Alabama, Jones. Absolutely not. They're not trading him for Listen, Julius Randle. We know they're not giving up Jones. But what does it hurt to bring up his name if I'm throwing y'all a double-double machine, you know? Like, it don't hurt. Just, you know, just wave around to see what they're willing to offer. But you got to bring in a 13. A team will – New Orleans, they benefit from a Julius Randle. 
New Orleans will be a team that benefit from Julius Trump. Bring them up. Try to see if they'll throw in the Terry Rozier or go ahead because they trying to get, you know, it's different situations where you can't tell me where Julius Randle end up on New Orleans. Rozier or um, Hayward to, to um, what's the team? To Utah? Not even to Utah. One of them to Utah. The other one to New Orleans. Boom. And you bring uh, and RJ still get Donovan Mitchell in his back. You could have made it work because you're fulfilling the need for all those teams. But even if you don't bring in New Orleans and you just keep Utah, um, the uh, Hornets, and New York, you can't tell me a move where uh, Barrett and Mitch still get together. Um... What's his name? Randall still goes to to uh, Charlotte, and you get a Hayward or Rozier to Utah. We know it ain't gonna be going Hayward. He left. Terry Rozier is a big is a nice piece to go ahead and bring over there. He's still young. He's still not only being still young, he's valuable. You get that call at the right time around trade deadline, you bring in even more pieces when you ship him out. Because teams going to call for Terry Rozelle. Nobody finna be calling for Julius Randle. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a different market for guards and force. You say who's the better player? Julius Randle. Who's more needed from teams? A guard, Terry Rozelle. All right. Um, J.D., I love you, brother. I don't know how we got here. I'm going to be honest. I totally lost the train there. Um, <laughs> Julius Randle. I think the Knicks screwed themselves. They, they, I mean, could, it's the Knicks. They should have they made so many different types of situations happen for for so many reasons because it's the garden. It's the day, it's the day that ends in white. They always screw themselves. I mean, they always try to get at the start. They never do. They tried to get this star um, and they didn't another star. I think we're going to shoot through these. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on them. Um, another star that kind of didn't end up staying put or ended up staying put actually was on the trade block for a couple of months. We talked about this on our big offseason episode. Kevin Durant staying in Brooklyn. Um, JD. It kind of. You know, it sucks. I wish he was kind of traded because this Nets experiment has just felt horrible this whole time. I kind of want him out of Brooklyn. But how do you feel about KD going back to the Nets? I knew it. I didn't want him to go nowhere. Sit your crybaby ass down. <laughs> JD's on a heater tonight, folks. Like, um, I feel like if you created this situation, stand in it, live through it. It's not a bad, I'm going to be honest. Bill Simmons and Kyrie Irving is not a bad situation to have. Last year's Kyrie was, but generally I would agree with you. I'm going to be honest. Kyrie was the best player for them in the playoffs. (laughs) I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, we're not talking about Scotty and Michael here. I'm just saying, when he's on the floor, he's on the floor. 
It's just about where he will be on the floor. But even still, regardless of any of that, I want Kyrie. Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant alone is causing havoc. I I want to see Kevin Durant because the low key the Nets have a squad. Um, they traded for Royce O'Neal. They got your favorite player, TJ Warren. They, they um, definitely and see that's another thing I did want to tap touch on that. Royce O'Neal as a secondary defender next to Ben Simmons is a good thing. Oh yeah, it's good. he's going to look that's, a lot better in Brooklyn than he did in Utah. That's a good thing, TJ Warren. We all know I didn't gave TJ Warren hell, but that's because he stepped up to Jim. You can't tell me TJ Warren is a third option. That's the Kyrie and KD where he's proven he can go for 20 a night. I love it. And I none mean, of them are selfish. Ben Simmons, unselfish. KD, unselfish. Kyrie, unselfish. And you know what makes this all perfect? Everybody except being Simmons can shoot. Royce O'Neal, I don't like Royce O'Neal. I'm going to just put that out. I don't like Royce O'Neal. What did Royce O'Neal do to you? Was it just because he was in Utah? Not only that, but when Kyrie got hurt, he was talking trash to Paul George. And Royce O'Neal went like one for seven from the three. And Paul George cooked him for 30. Shut the hell up. Oh, so it goes back to the Clippers. Got it. Not just that. It was just, I don't like when people... Like he's not Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly can Patrick Beverly if Patrick Beverly scored two points. Patrick Beverly, you know, celebrate. He talking crazy to everybody. That's Patrick Beverly. Wait, so Neil never been a talker. So you tough cause Kawhi went out and still getting your ass cooked. Shut your mouth. Who are you? You not proven. But anyway. Royce O'Neal will give you a three a night. You can sub him out. You still got a solid defender in Warren, solid defender in KD, great defender in Ben. Oh, we need a shooter. Patty Mills, come line it up. They got moves they could have that they can put in order, and he's crying to get out. You're the best player on the team. Stop running, man up, and take it. You help put this together. Three big question marks for the Nets. Um, they're, I don't know who their starting center is right now. Plaster. That's not ideal. <laughs> I don't we, we saw them try to replace him all three years of his contract. Um, I don't know what's going on with Joe Harris. I, um, I, don't, I don't like him either. <laughs> is it because he was having all the problems during the Playoffs in twenty twenty one. Yeah, what the? I'm sorry, but you're not gonna tell me you a forty percent three point shooter and you can't hit the backboard when they need you to. It was Chris Middleton, man. Chris Middleton decided he had enough of Joe Harris. That was like honestly some of the most personal deep. I don't know what Joe Harris said to Chris Middleton. He must have said something about his mother because. I was so angry. I was so angry. Like um, you, you on the floor for one thing. Joe Harris in the twenty twenty one playoffs shot 
That can't be right. No, 40% from three for the whole playoffs. That's because in the first round, I'm sure he was blistering. Last five games of the second round shot 24% from three on six attempts a game. Coincidentally, after Kyrie went down, but you know, I, if it was me, I personally wouldn't have Joe Harris be my second option, but what do I know? Um, and then the third biggest question mark, I mean, this one's obvious it's Ben Simmons. Cause I'm not really concerned about Kyrie going into next year. You know, I'm concerned about like the free agency, you know, in 2023, but you know, like that's next summer's problem. Um, what are you going to get out of Ben Simmons? Is he actually healthy? Has he, was he ever actually hurt? Those are all fair questions. And Ben is, um, those are three giant question marks with the nets that I have. We're going to wait to see till the regular season. I can't wait to see training camp because those are going to have some huge answers for my questions. But, um, JD's these lat let's jump to this one real quick. Chet Holmgren, had a Liz Frank injury in his foot. He's going to miss the whole season. I was really looking forward to the Thunder. I had them as a low-key playing team. I do not think they're going to make the play-in now. The bottom of the West, JD, is a dumpster fire. <laughs> and I think I think we can say pretty comfortably the East is better than the West this year. Just like last year. <laughs> That's okay. One last thing about the, the um, Cavs trade, because I wanted to say this and I totally forgot. So forgive me real quick. There's going to be like 11 teams competing for 10 spots. And one of them is going to miss entirely. So the Celtics, the Heat, the Cavs, the Nets, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Bucks, 76ers. (laughs) I guess the Hornets too, but JD, this conference is so deep with talent. (laughs) Like the Knicks are probably the Knicks were fine. They they were as good as they were in 2021. I thought, and they totally missed the playoffs. Like didn't even sniff the playoffs. Yeah. And the East is just insane. And I just, I feel like we need to acknowledge that because the Celtics got better. The Bucks are just going to get better by adding Middleton back. I'm really concerned about the heat, but we'll save that conversation for later. Um, yeah, say we know they'll be in there, but well, they'll be in. I'm not concerned about them in the regular season. I'm really concerned about them in the playoffs. Yeah, the 76ers. I'm same exact thing. I'm not concerned about them in the regular season. I think Embiid's gonna win MVP next year. He better. Um, <laughs> he's probably gonna win MVP next year. It's gonna be a tough, tough Eastern Conference next year. But yeah, JD, do you have any thoughts on Chet Holmgren getting hurt? Um, no, just a freak accident. And it wasn't like. It's not Jamal Crawford's fault. Yeah, you can't blame anybody. I think it was just one of them things. It come with the sport, man. You land wrong and it's just something that happens. It's part of the game. I hope he have a speedy recovery. He gets well and come back better than ever. I hope so, too, because, man, I was hoping to see a man. I was hoping to see him play with that frame, but I guess we'll never know. And then I guess we'll close on this. Um, the Patrick Beverly trade, we, we referenced it during the um, Utah segment, but I figured we deserved to talk about it for just a little bit. 
Patrick Beverly goes to Utah, or Patrick Beverly goes to Los Angeles to the Lakers, and Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson go to the Jazz. We don't really need to talk about the Jazz because we already brought up THT. But I kind I like this move for the Lakers. I feel like they should be going for singles rather than going for home runs. How do you like this move for the Lakers? Um, don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, if so since like- you don't. I feel like it's the Lakers and they forever thinking they setting up this mastermind plan to do something so huge. And now they trying to freaking have a situation where it's we got two great competitors. They'll put it behind them and make it work. But y'all still want to get rid of us. Figure out what y'all going to do. I don't think they have a direction still. They just trying to figure out a quick way to get to the championship. I don't think they have any real plan or direction. If they no. did, it wouldn't have been sources coming out every day about Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. He's still there. And not only is he still there, y'all trading and lost people that y'all had part of y'all long-term plan. Y'all tried to extend, well, y'all tried to bring back Malik Monk. He chose to leave. He was part of y'all plan. It's not a thing where y'all really know where y'all going or what y'all doing. Damian Jones is y'all center. Who's the backup? They don't have a plan. Right now, they're they're still trying to figure it out. So I really don't care. It's like, I feel like it's just something to keep them in the media. I see your point. I do think, listen, you know, but I do Even, love what Pat Bev brings. You know I'm a Pat Bev fan. Yes, and I think they need what he brings. If he can get his shooting touch back, I mean, it's kind of disappeared the last couple of years. Not what it used to be, at least. Um, If the old Pat Bev can come back, we can maybe get something special in L.A. I mean, I still don't think there's any way they sniff the second round. But, um, J.D., thank you so much for joining me. If you're listening to this, you're going to be here in part two. Dylan Hughes and I, I haven't put out a power hour in a while. I need to. Thankfully, JD and I meeting up is going to um, provide an occurrence for that. So you're going to hear part two. Part two is me and Dylan doing a redraft of the lottery of the 2011 draft. JD, you'll be shocked to hear who goes first in the 2011 <laughs> redraft. And no, it was not Kawhi Leonard. Oh, I'm not with it, dude. It was Marcus Morris. <laughs> well, don't say that. It was not Marcus Morris. Caleb, although Caleb here that he had throw the phone. Caleb, Caleb threw the phone already. I think he threw the phone like 20 minutes ago. I think he threw the phone when you said uh, trade Julius Randle should have been traded somewhere. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, um, folks, thank you. Go, thank you for checking this out and make sure you check out the draft part. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, joined once again by my former co-host, but still great friend, Dylan Hughes. Dylan, I don't have a curveball for you this week. Actually, maybe maybe it's a little bit of a curveball. Um, what is your favorite place you've been on tour recently? Well, we were just in Colorado for a week, and man, 
it was a great time. It was like, I think I talked about this before, but the one thing that sucks is we go to a lot of places, but we don't really spend a lot of time there. So there's a lot of cool cities I've been to that I haven't actually gotten to explore much, but Colorado, we had a lot of off time. We did a lot of fishing, a lot of just exploring the, you know, beautiful mountains. So it was awesome, man. And, uh, we dealt with a lot of altitude sickness. I will say that because when you go from sea level in in the East, you know, the Midwest, and then all of a sudden you're at 10,000 feet, it's, uh, it's not a great thing to do to your body. Um, but it's, uh, it was worth it for sure. Colorado's a wonderful state. I jealous of you always. I'm jealous of your travels. Um, but it sounds like a great time. That's we're not here to talk about Dylan's travels around the United States as much as I would like to talk about them forever. We are here today to do off season content folks, exactly what the people need. And what we are here to do today is redrafts. Okay. We're, we don't know how this is going to go. This depending on the rhythm, this is probably going to be three separate podcasts, but right now we're going to be doing the 2011 draft for sure in this episode. And also we're going to be doing the 2014 and 2016 drafts. 2016 is probably about the earliest or the closest one we could do. I would say that's fair because, you know, I'd say at this point, most of those guys are who they are. Like maybe there's one guy who I think could get better because he's super young and was born in December of 97. (laughs) Um, He plays for new Orleans (laughs) was drafted by the Lakers. It doesn't give anything away, but Dylan, I think we would agree for the most part, like Pascal Siakam is who he is at this point. But um, I think Dylan, I think we'd agree. These are probably three of the most interesting drafts the last 10 years, or I guess 2011 was 11 years ago. So three, three of the most interesting drafts of the last 11 years for 2011. I were you surprised as I was like remembering how much depth there was in this draft. Yeah. I mean, looking back through it, it was like, man, there uh, there's guys. I mean, as you said, this is 11 years ago and there's still guys in this draft that are like headline players in the league today. And, you know, obviously there's tiers and after that first tier, there's still a lot of good players that are around and the next tier there's good, you know, bench players or whatever. So it was pretty, pretty cool to go back and see this draft still make such a big impact on the league today. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about the two. We'll like do a preamble for the 14 and 16 drafts when we get there, but the 11 draft, I mean, <laughs> I'll just say, you know, this is going to come out before the top 100, but two of the guys in this draft are still in the top 10 for me. And I think it's quite obviously those two are, um, I mean, Dylan, it's this draft is really deep with talent and there's still a lot of guys like even most at this point in the draft, like 11 years in, a lot of the guys have fallen out of the league, but there's still so many rotation players <laughs> from this draft. And I mean, Alec Burks, I don't think is a guy who like either of us will probably have in the lottery. <laughs> Etwan Moore, who like doesn't play much anymore, but was a rotation player as recently as two seasons ago. Right. And he still is in the league, you know, and you have guys like, I don't, again, I don't think this guy's going to get drafted necessarily, but Kenneth Reed was like 
Kenneth Reed won us a World Cup. I don't think it was called the World Cup back then, but you the um what's it called? FIBA, whatever it was called. You know what I'm talking about, 2014. Yep. And Kenneth Reed was a like a really good role player for a few years and then he fell off a cliff. But this draft is just really talented. So we're gonna we're gonna flip a coin. Dylan and I are just gonna go back and forth. Whoever picks first will get the third pick, fifth pick, so on and so forth. We're just gonna do redo the lottery because we don't have time to do all 30 picks because who has time to do all 30? So, and we're not going to be redrafting Marshawn Brooks. No offense, Marshawn. You don't, de- you don't deserve that. Um, even though, was that a couple of years ago, Dylan, when um, Marshawn Brooks held up a trade because they thought he was Dylan Brooks? Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah. As soon as you said Marshawn Brooks, that was the first thing I thought of. Who is, that, who is he even supposed to be traded for? Because I remember it was Marshawn Brooks instead. I'm going to look that up. But before I look that up. Heads or tails, Dylan? I'll let you call for it. Tails never fails. And sure enough, it is tails. So yeah. while you, I'll let you go ahead and pick first. And while you're picking first, I will go ahead and look up that story. <laughs> so, I mean, I think this is a pretty easy pick. Um, the past few years, maybe some people would start to waver, but it's Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi, what, it's just interesting because when he was drafted to the Spurs, you know, a lot of people didn't know who he was. And actually, by the way, he was drafted by the Pacers, uh, in, including uh, another player that I actually have on my list was traded to San Antonio for George Hill. And, uh, you know, we all saw how that worked out. So it's great to to reminisce on the Pacers failures once again, but yeah, I mean, just, he, he's just been a, he's grown into a franchise altering guy, no matter what's what team he's been on. So it's pretty easy. Number one pick for me to be, to be fair. Okay. To be fair at the time, George Hill, I think was a pretty clear starter and he was behind like, the Spurs did a really good job of developing Kawhi, right? Chip England, who um, I'm going to probably release this pod like second week of August. So this will be like relatively recent news. Chip England, who was recently hired away by the Thunder to go over there and coach their guys. He reworked Kawhi's jumper and Kawhi, if that doesn't happen, who knows if Kawhi is this, right? But that being said, I think there's still a chance, even if Kawhi's not this, he's still like worthy of the number one selection because I think what we see of Kawhi's skill, Dylan, he's probably as good as Jimmy Butler. Like even if the three pointer never comes around because what's Jimmy's fatal flaw is that he can't make the three. So that combined with the defense, even with the injuries, I think, you know, you don't get the prime Kawhi development years. I still think Kawhi is a worthy number one choice. And so, um, by the way, Ariza would have been going. So I found the trade. Okay. Ariza, Trevor Ariza would have been going from the Suns to the Wizards. Kelly Oubre would have been going from the Wizards to the Grizzlies. Austin, Austin Rivers from the Wizards to the Suns. The Grizzlies would have sent Wayne Selden to the Suns. A player named Brooks was also was to be involved, but that ended up as the hiccup to the deal. The Suns thought the Grizzlies would be sending them Dylan Brooks. The Grizzlies thought it was Marshawn Brooks. They'd be trading. So 
Um, that's pretty. It's pretty interesting stuff. But for the second selection, I think it's quite obvious. Uh, the man from Marquette himself, Jimmy Butler. I don't really think there's anyone else you could select here. I mean, first year in the league wasn't much, but he the way he changed and developed his game over the years. I don't think there's been anybody who's maximized their talent more in the league probably ever than Jimmy Butler. Like he gets the most out of his game and out of his body. And we're starting to see it now, right? Like he hasn't played a full season since the bubble, but man, Jimmy Butler is a special player. Dylan, how do you feel about this selection at two? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, Jimmy has proven that he is good enough to get a team to the finals. I mean, unless you are a, a bubble hater, as many are. Um, <laughs> I think most of those people are probably LeBron haters more than anything, uh, which is fair. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's another guy that's transformed multiple franchises. Basically, every team he goes to gets way better when he gets there. So, it's pretty easy pick. And I mean, so let, let's just go through it. So the Bulls, um, despite the Derrick Rose injury, get they don't get to the conference finals after 2011, but they have a lot of success with Jimmy Butler. They make the second round. Um, I think just in 15, because 16 and 17, some stuff happens. 17, he gets traded to Minnesota. Minnesota makes the playoffs for the first time since KG was there. 18, he demands a trade from Minnesota, gets sent to the Sixers. Sixers are on the doorstep and are (laughs) a shot away from the first pick in this draft from making the conference finals their first since Allen Iverson, right? And who's to say they win that conference? Who's to say they make the conference finals if Kawhi misses that shot, right? It's a tie game. If he misses, it goes to overtime. But if it goes to overtime, anything can happen. Um, They get to Miami. He makes the finals in 2020, first round 2021. We're going to act like that didn't happen. <laughs> 2022 makes the, is a game away from the finals. That is a pretty good run, all things considered. And I think he's probably like still somehow he's underrated. Just an incredible run from an incredible player. Dylan, who do you have as your third pick in the 2011 redraft? So next for me, another pretty easy pick, Clay Thompson. I mean, just uh, been a staple for one of the best teams and the best runs of all time. As we've seen, the Warriors just won another one. And he made a pretty big difference in that, even though, you know, the shot wasn't wasn't really there as it has in the past. He still had a huge impact. Um his the amazing thing about him is everyone's talked about his shot, but his defense has been crucial to so many of these wins as well. Uh, and and it's been it's just been so fun to watch him and Steph play together. And and uh, it's it's another pretty easy pick for me here. Yeah, Clay, great choice. I mean, probably the second best shooter of all time. And if you don't want to have him in the, as the second best, you he's easily top five. I mean, just (laughs) the difficulty of the shots he can make and plus just you can't leave him open. If you leave him wide open, it's a layup. It's and to the fact that he came back last year 
he had a down shooting year for him. Shooting 38% isn't a down year, right? We saw, <laughs> Dylan, we saw hard regression to the mean. Guys traveling again and hit playing in full stadiums this year. We saw hard, I think like last year there was like 50 guys who shot over 40%. This year there was like 14 <laughs> who shot over 40% from three. And Clay was at 38%. So I think Clay's going to bounce back next year when he gets his legs back. He's going to be, I think he's going to be absolutely terrifying. Number four, I think this one's quite easy. Um, I have, I have Kyrie Irving. I, I understand it's going to be a little bit rocky, but he, if I have a star next to him, if I get someone who's better than him next to him, he's going to be probably the best second banana, not named Scotty Pippen. I feel in NBA history, like I don't think there is a better player next to LeBron. Me, okay, let me rephrase that. Dwayne Wade is a better basketball player. Anthony Davis is probably a better basketball player. I don't think there's a guy who fit better next to LeBron than Kyrie. I think Kyrie fit exactly what LeBron needed. And I just I feel like, yeah, there's been a lot of problems. He's still better than everyone else that comes after him. So I, I think Kyrie is pretty easy here. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's basically like the last star around. I mean, there's another guy that we'll get to that was a star for a little bit, but he's kind of fallen off since. So yeah, Kyrie, I, I think this is kind of the end of like the first tier of this draft where you can really start to see a drop off. I mean, Kyrie, definitely the past, like, four years has not been great off the court, mostly. Um, but, I mean, on the court, he's still awesome whenever he is on the court. So, and the impact he's already had to this point has easily put him in the top four. And, I mean, there's nothing – like, every team that's won a championship, I think when we talk about second bananas – like, I think Scotty Pippen takes offense to it, right? I think we've seen on the way Scotty has handled himself, like in the media, he's taken offense to it, right? Like, he's been like, I don't, you know, I was as good as Michael Jordan. No, Scotty, you weren't. You weren't much worse than him, but you weren't better than, him. like, you weren't as good as he was. But every team needs, like, every dynasty, right? Needs a team, needs a guy as good as Scotty Pippen to be a dynasty. <laughs> and truth be told, I think we both agree on this, Dylan. If Katie hadn't gone to Golden State, there's a chance the Cavs would have won. I think the Cavs were better than the if you if they ran it back in 2017. I think the Cavs were better in 2017 than they were in 2016. Like they were just they ran through the Eastern Conference. They did the Eastern Conference didn't stand a chance in 2017. Like I I don't am I crazy, Dylan? Do I am I off base here for saying that if KD doesn't go to the Warriors. The Cavs probably have two or three, maybe not two or three. They have at least one more title under their belts. No, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, even like we've seen LeBron, especially with those Cavs teams, be able to pull his teammates up to a level where they were just good enough and he was able to just go so above and beyond I mean, I think if you don't have that KD, KD, it was going to be impossible for that Cavs team to beat that Warriors team. 
But if the KD thing never happens, I think they have a good chance for sure. Because I think that 2017 Warriors team is probably the best team I'll ever see. I don't think it's really close. <laughs> um, Clay Thompson was their fourth best player. <laughs> <laughs> he was the third pick in this redraft. <laughs> like, I, it defies all logic and explanation. Like, it doesn't defy all logic and explanation. The salary cap took a $35 million jump. Perfect enough for Kevin Durant to slot right in. I just, it baffles me that it doesn't baffle, it doesn't baffle me. Baffle me is the wrong word. I was just in awe that whole year. I will never not be in awe. That's probably the most dominant team I think I'll ever see. I especially now with the the way the league is going with parity. I don't think we're gonna. I think this year's Warriors team, Dylan. I think you'll probably agree with this based on the results. Was one of the most dominant runs since that seventeen Warriors team. Maybe the Bubble Lakers would be in that discussion because the Bubble Lakers really did tear through the whole West. <laughs> But man, that was that 17 Warriors team. Dylan. I don't think we'll ever, ever see a team like that. So on to number five, Dylan, who is your selection here? Yes. Yeah, so I think this is where it starts to get interesting in the draft. I think we'll probably start to differ a lot more. <laughs> um, I went ahead and went with uh, Jonas Valanciunas here. Who, this is exactly where he was selected in 2011, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. So he's he's staying put. And I don't know, like, I, I think you can make debates about some of these other guys, but Valanciunas has just been a guy I've liked for a long time, as as people that have listened to this pod know. Uh, he's just one of my one of my favorite centers in the league to watch. I think he's he's been another guy that's just he's been on three teams now and he's been good for all of them. And He's just a, a solid, reliable guy that's improved his game pretty much every year. And um, he's very well deserving of of being uh, a top five pick in this draft. Yeah, I had a couple guys over him. This is probably where I think you and I would maybe disagree the most. But also, I can't hate it because Jonas Valanciunas has aged really well um, compared to some of these other guys, particularly one that I'm going to draft next. Um <laughs> I think and it is the way sometimes being slow and plotting is good for your game if you know how to use it right. And I think he knows how to use it right. And he I think he fits in the modern NBA really well, which is weird to say because it feels like centers like him were supposed to like we were told they were going to age out. And in the the playoff deficiencies have shown, right? But in certain aspects but I, I just feel like, yeah, Valanciunas, I, I don't hate it, is what I'm saying. At number six, I'm going to be doing another exacto. I'll be taking Jan Vesely. Mm. I am not taking Jan just, Vesely. I mean, that, that's where I was going. So, you know, it makes sense. I will be taking, uh, I don't remember Jan. See, I don't think I ever watched Jan Vesely play, um, if I'm being honest. I don't think I did either. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Kemba Walker here. Um, he made all NBA in 2019. He was really good. He had the opportunity for the Supermax. We all know how that turns out. Um, I believe he's going back to Charlotte. I don't know, though. Um, I don't think anything's official there. 
I, I listen, you know, just a really solid point guard. And, I mean, really solid with a dash of greatness. And I, I feel like, you know, at six, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the guy I was referring to earlier that was was a star for some time and has just really fallen off. And like it makes sense to go with him because of that stretch he did have where he was, you know, like a max level guy. Um, but I just kind of opted for, and really I have another guy over him too, uh, in my, Interesting. my draft, just because really more current production and like, you know, I, I feel like when you draft, you should draft for longevity and, you know, obviously, obviously if you can get a guy that's a star for four or five, six years, that's great. But the fall off of Kemba is just really, it's been really been tough to watch. And, and I loved watching. He was one of my favorite players for a long time. And I wanted the Pacers to get him uh, the year he went to Boston. So he's a guy I really liked watching in the past, but really just based on current production, it's, uh, it's, it's tough for me to, to put him any higher than I have him. So if you go just based on the Charlotte career, Right. Which is, you know, I think what you're saying is completely fair. But if you're just going on the realistic expectation of I get to keep this guy for his first eight years. Right. I get to keep him for his rookie deal plus the extension. Right. The restricted extension. He averaged 20 points a game on OK efficiency for that time. The efficiency improved as he got older. Um, the three point percentage improved a lot as he got older on a lot more attempts. And I just feel like getting that production for eight years, I feel like that for get for the sixth pick, that's about as well as you like, if let's just say that's what happens in Detroit with Jaden Ivy. I feel like the Pistons would have to be pleased with that. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And I, I think Jaden Ivy, will hopefully get 18 years of good production. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to expect. Like if you really look at NBA players, there's not that many that actually play like more than 10 years, even some good ones, you know, like it's, it's just a hard thing to do for a long period of time. So especially at such a high level, like Kimball was. So it, it's definitely hard to, complain about what Kimba's done. Um, but you know, Valanchunas and this other guy I'm about to pick are still are still doing it, you know? So it's not impossible. <laughs> well, who's the guy you're about to pick? Because I have a feeling like I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, so it's Nikola Vucevic, who is kind of like the same I mean really kind of the same player as Valanchunas, like very similar uh, maybe not skill sets exactly, but just production. I feel like they've always been fairly close. I mean, Vucevic has gotten more more praise uh, as far as like you know All Star consideration and things like that. Um, but he's another guy that's that's really still doing it, and and uh, he's you know still contributing to a good playoff team. So. It's uh, hard to overlook him here. 
contributing. Um, listen, I'm not the biggest Vucevic fan, but I also I had him about in this range as well. I think this is about right for Vooch. Um, yeah, getting you know an All Star level guy at this range. Who's gonna lead you? Who's gonna help you make the playoffs a couple of times? Right, getting that guy at seven we see is really hard to find. Um, getting that guy as the centerpiece for your Dwight Howard trade, like I think that's an important piece of context that nobody talks about when they talk about Vooch, is that he was the for all intents and purposes for Orlando he was the centerpiece of the Dwight Howard trade, and because. Andrew Bynum, where did he end up going? He didn't end up going to Orlando, right? Well, he didn't. I don't remember. I'm going to pull up the Dwight Howard trade. Philly? That sounds right. Or I it- remember Iguodala ends up in Denver. I remember Gallinari. No, Gallinari was already in Denver. Um, Okay, so Iguodala goes to Denver. Aaron Aflalo, I think, went to Orlando. So, okay. So they get, the Magic get Mo Harkless, Vucevic, Al Harrington, blast from the past, Aaron Aflalo, Josh McRoberts, and a ton of picks. <laughs> and a huge trade exception. Dang. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great return, but Vooch, you know, for trading one of the, for trading, I think, a certified Hall of Famer, I mean, it's about as good as you could do, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, some of the packages we see nowadays would suggest otherwise, but. <laughs> I mean, that was before, you know, all these nuclear packages. Yeah. And when I say nuclear, I mean nuclear. Like, I don't know what Kevin Durant's going to go for it, but when he gets, if slash when he gets traded, um, the team that he's going to won't have a team, probably. Yeah. Is what I, if I had to guess. So I'm going to go ahead and go with my eighth pick. I'm going to go ahead and go. I think this, you might think this is a reach. I'm not sure. I have Tristan Thompson at eight. And the longevity definitely is not there <laughs> with Tristan Thompson. But man, this guy for a couple of years was the modern NBA. Like, I contend that there hasn't been, like, since the whole switchy scheme started, there haven't been, a like, more, like, Bam has been better, I think. Draymond's been better. Other than them, who's really been better on the perimeter than Prime Tristan Thompson? <laughs> like, and I know that's, like, such a weird thing to draft a guy in the lottery on, but, man, and he was a... It's not the only reason he would get drafted in the lottery for what it's worth. He was a killer rebounder. He played with such energy. I mean, he owned Al Horford, who was an all-star for who was one of the better players in the Eastern Conference for what a decade. He absolutely owned that man. So Dylan, is this a reach for Jason Thompson? No, that was actually who I had next as well. So <laughs> look at us. I forgot how much we thought alike. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you just, you look at the players behind them and it's like, well, those players have like not really contributed much to winning teams like Tristan Thompson has. 
And yeah, you can say, oh, it's LeBron and LeBron would make any of these players better. And, and that's fair. I mean, if Tristan Thompson never played with LeBron, his career would look a lot different, but he did. And he did a pretty good job for his role. And as you said, like there was a lot of moments where he really dominated down low. Um, so I don't think his skill set is like super unique or anything, but he's had a productive career and, you know, out, out, it's really was really mostly a few years where he was really important. Um, I think nowadays he's more, he's more known for some off the court endeavors. Um, but you know, he's, let's just say he's, he's been productive on and off the court. We'll just say that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, when you look at the players behind him, I mean, I think, I feel like it's a pretty easy pick here. Yeah, he is. I'm not going to say he revolutionized the NBA cause he definitely didn't, but I feel like a lot of people give credit to Draymond, right? And I'm not saying Tristan Thompson deserves the credit because you shouldn't deserve credit for the athleticism you were born with. You know what I mean? Like, but the fact that he was able to stay in front of like Steph Curry as well as he was made the Warriors life hell. And I feel like that's an underrated part of how the Cavaliers, I I don't think we can dispute it since the Warriors run has started. The Cavs gave the Warriors the hardest challenge out of anybody in either conference. Like, obviously the Raptors beat them, but I think they're even the staunchest Raptors supporters such as myself knows that there were extenuating circumstances like the luxury tax and two very big injuries to do two very big guys. So I don't, I don't know. I just feel like Tristan Thompson is a very important player. And I feel like he's got, I feel like he was very underrated and it's like, Oh, clutch got this guy paid clutch got this guy paid. No, Tristan Thompson got this guy paid. So Dylan, who do you have as the ninth pick? Ninth pick, I have Bojan Bogdanovich. Oof. Spicy. Caleb's going to yell at you, you know that? That's fair. You know, Caleb is is racist against Europeans, so <laughs> it, it's it's understandable. I expect it. Uh, but yeah, Bojan, I mean, he's he's been another guy that's just had really good production pretty much everywhere he's played. Um, I, I think starting in that that Washington run he had, he really started kind of getting attention as, as a really useful shooter and off ball player in general. And he's, he's sadly not been able to contribute to like any, you know, really deep playoff runs at least yet. Uh, He's been on some pretty unlucky teams. I think we could say Uh, he's, He's he's played a big role on the teams he's been on though, and he's gotten paid handsomely over his career. So feels feels like this is right for him. Yeah, I had him a couple spots lower, but I mean, I, he's still a lottery pick. I mean, the only reason I had him a couple spots lower is because I don't think he came over to like twenty fourteen. Apologies for my dog in the background, folks. Um, at my mom's house. It's not my dog, but it's my parents' dog, and yeah, he's uh, doing a little bit of barking. Sue me. Um, I think that, boy, yeah. The only that's the only reason I would have had him lower. I had him in like the lower lottery, but I, I guess this technically is the lower lottery. But I'm not mad at it. Boyan is a really good scorer. I'll take the guy 
who <laughs> is very much like Bojan, I would say probably is the most similar to Bojan Bogdanovic in the whole NBA. I have Tobias Harris <laughs> at number 10. Um, he's been really solid through his whole career. Yeah, there's been a lot of shortcomings and they've they've all been pretty well publicized at this point. I still feel like at the 10th pick, if you get a guy who averages 17 and seven on pretty good efficiency, you take that, you know, and again, this is another guy. He was he kind of bounced around for a little bit and then he became, you know, not a guy, but he became a useful player. And now he's like, he got, he got the bag. Hopefully he starts, hopefully he adjusts well to being the fourth option because that is very clearly what he is in Philadelphia now after what Tyrese Maxey did this playoffs. But Dylan, do you like Tobias Harris at 10? Yeah, I had him as my next pick. So, you know, we've, we've criticized Tobias a lot over the past few years, but I mean, He's clearly not like a number two or even a number three on most teams, like most good teams. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. Right. You know, like being a being the fourth or fifth best player on a playoff team is going to have most players redrafted in the lottery or close to it. I mean, it just, there's not that many players that – can stick around for 10 plus years and still be starters, you know? So it's just kind of by default, he's going to fall into this range. If Tobias Harris is in the 2013 draft, he's a top five pick in in a redraft. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's him. It's he's probably right after CJ McCollum. Honestly, if you do the 2013 redraft, it's the honest, then go bear, then McCollum, then him. So yeah, give me Tobias Harris at 11. Who do you have at 11, Dylan? So I'm going with Reggie Jackson. <laughs> that is also who, that's exactly who I have at this spot. <laughs> that's funny. It's, this this range was a little bit tougher to kind of figure out because these players are all like, have all kind of had some weird careers. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly bench type of players now. And I mean, this is definitely like a recency bias thing. Cause if we did this redraft like two or three years ago, I mean, Reggie might make it, but it would be a tougher conversation, I think. But after what he's done with the Clippers the past couple of years, I think he's just really proven that his game has just grown a lot. And, and to be fair, I think the Detroit, situation was maybe made him look worse than he was because they were never healthy. Like Blake and Andre are not necessarily the best players to like try to make a deep playoff run with. (laughs) I mean, those are not two running mates that most players would really just pick. Um, They were talented, you know, but they had their shortcomings and, and Reggie had some injuries, but really, if you look at the numbers, they were they were a lot better when Reggie was on the floor first when he wasn't. And then he goes to the Clippers, and he's made a huge impact. So, to me, this feels like a really good spot for him. When Draymond was talking about 16-game players, I don't think there's a bigger 16... Like, there's a bigger difference between the 82-game player and a 16-game player than Reggie Jackson. He just, like... The last couple of playoffs, like, you know, you know, I was the biggest Reggie Jackson, 
Jackson skeptic in the world. Like he, I just didn't believe in it at all. I was like, especially after um, Luca hit that game winner over him in the bubble. I was like, it's Reggie Jackson guarding him. What did you expect? This is why Ty Lue is smarter than me <laughs> when it comes to basketball, because Reggie is a 16 game player. I didn't see it. And he was their second best. He was their third best player when Kawhi was healthy last year. And he was their second best player when Kawhi got hurt last year in the playoffs. I can't say that enough. He is such an important piece for their puzzle. I want to see them fully healthy this year. I am dying to see it because I am so fascinated by the Clippers. Number 12. I'm going to take Reggie Jackson's teammate. I'm going to go with Marcus Morris. I think, yeah, there's been some ups and downs with him too. Um, But a lot more ups for him than his brother. A lot more. I think he's been better than Markeith by a good amount. I, and I think you can tell the difference because he's still getting rotation minutes and Markeith, I think, is on the precipice of being out of the league. Um, Marcus is a better shooter. Marcus is more of a natural wing than Markeith. And yeah, I just I think Marcus is a better player than Markeith. How do you feel about this selection? Yeah, that was going to be my 13th pick. So we're pretty much spot on there. I mean, he's he's definitely become the best Morris twin. Uh, it didn't start out that way. I think Marky did not favored early on by quite a bit when they were both in Phoenix, but as, as they've broken apart, I mean, Marcus has definitely been the best guy and he's played some, some big games for the Clippers over the past few years. So it's, it's a good pick here. Yeah. And for the Celtics too, I mean, he was a, I think people forget when those Celtics teams made the conference finals, he was a really good player for them. Um, just all around. I, th- I think Marcus Morris is a, I think he's a winning player. I don't think Markeith is a bad player, by the way. I just think Marcus took the lead <laughs> over his brother. So Dylan, who your last pick of this draft, this draft is really kind of blown by. Who do you have for your tr- 13th pick? So this one, I'm going with Mr. Relvin, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, that, I had him in this spot too. I mean, you know, it's it's sad that he flamed out so early, but he he was just a fun guy to watch, and he had that one really awesome year with Boston. And you know, he he was a his I mean, his run was was really short, you know, mostly because of the injuries, but he he had that run for a few years where he was just one of the better scorers in the league. And I mean, he had to, he had to overcome a lot. Like he played with the Kings for starters, just starting off in a hole. Then, then he goes to Phoenix with the whole triple point guard situation, uh, which was just weird. And, you know, then he goes to Boston and starts to shine and, proved that he could be, you know, like a lead point guard on a good team. And again, sadly, he gets hurt and the whole Kyrie trade happens and it kind of just flamed out from there. But he uh, he definitely did enough in his career, I think, to deserve shooting up from 60 to the lottery. Yeah, just real quick. That 2016-17 season was special. 29 points a game. On 46% from the field, 38% from three, 
he got to the line eight times a game. Do you understand how hard that is? I mean, you understand. Does the listener understand how hard that is for a five nine point guard to get to the line almost nine times a game? <laughs> like that is incomprehensible. He, I understand why the Celtics didn't pay him, but man, at, like and especially with what happened to with his sister, just every like all the emotionality of it. Like, you know, we're, we're supposed to be unbiased observers, but man, everything that happened with that situation was just so tough and he deserved the Brinks truck. He's like, I want the Brinks truck because he was on what? A three year, $21 million contract. I think he's making 7 million a year. And then he gets shipped off to Cleveland. Um, it goes terribly. <laughs> he goes to LA, goes to Denver. He just bounced. He's been bouncing around the league after hurting his hip in that Washington series. I after he hurt his hip, didn't he have that fifty-three point game in Game Six? Was it? I think so. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas was a warrior, and you know, but he didn't make any money. You can't take away from his pride, I guess. But that still is. Oh, sorry, it was Game Two when he had fifty-three. But it doesn't change the fact that it's ridiculous that a man his size had fifty-three points in a playoff game against John Wall, who was one of the premier defenders at his position. So I suppose this last pick is mine. I'm going to go with a personal one. Um, This guy wasn't in the league for very long. He got hurt. He got the bag and kind of, you know, fell out of the league. But when he was healthy, he was really good. So now the, the problem is, Dylan, is that <laughs> there's not a lot of guys left. Isaiah Thomas was the last good pick and you got him. <laughs> um, I'm going with Chandler Parsons. I don't feel particularly good about it, <laughs> but I, mean, I don't know. He was pretty good for the Mavericks. Or he was pretty good for the Rockets. He was pretty good for the Mavericks. He goes to the Grizzlies and everything falls apart. I mean, you get what? Six good years out of the 14th pick. That's fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I couldn't consider him just because he flamed out so early, but he definitely was, he was really good for when he was in the league and, you know, another injury case just got tanked by injuries, but, uh, you know, he, he had his time in the sun for sure. Yeah. The other guys I was considering, I was, I considered four other guys. All right, I'll be curious to see. But before I go, who did you who would you have taken if you had the 14th pick? My pick was Davis Bertans. Yeah, see, I, I like Bertans, but I couldn't even go that far. <laughs> if I, it's a firm drop off. I mean, yes, after Isaiah Thomas, it's a firm firm drop off. I, I would. My next guy after Parsons was Etwan Moore. Then Corey Joseph, Kenneth Reed, and Marquise Morris. So, yeah, it's a really good thir- thirteen guys, thirteen good guys in one draft. That's pretty good. So, yeah. hey, hey uh, is still around too. Alec Burks, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there's some, there's some good names on here. Miritich was good, and maybe still is. He just is somewhere in Europe, so who knows? I think he won MVP of the ACB. There you go. So, Brandon, him. nice run. Enos Freedom, our favorite, still around. We should go through the guys we didn't take it from the lottery because it's 
there were some huge like misses in this lottery. Um, Derek Williams, oof, <laughs> that was a big time miss. Enos Freedom, I think. So when I went through this list, like trying to sort through, like you know, just try to sort the bad from the good. Like I, I just sorted by win shares, right? Because you can do that on Basketball Reference. Enos Freedom was like near the top of the list. I'm like, no, you're not going in the lottery. <laughs> like you, you, he wasn't that good. He wasn't. He like take the politics out of it. Everything. <laughs> he wasn't that good, and he wasn't. I don't know what the problem with win shares is. I clear. I think it's you know, I didn't haven't studied the stat super well. I think it favors big men a lot and rebounding and Enos was a very good rebounder, very good rebounder, which I'll give him. He's not a bust. I wouldn't say, but just not good. Um, Jan Vesely, like we talked about, uh, Bismack Biombo, um, pretty disappointing. Brandon Knight, I think was pretty disappointing. All things considered like he's now in the 10 day contract cycle. Um, Alec Burks, like we talked about Jimmer Fredette, one of the most hyped college players, I think, in recent memory, I would say. It's him. It's probably Doug McDermott. Who, like, like not one and Duns, right? I think one and Duns will take them out. Like, him, Steph, Doug McDermott. I think that's about the list. Guys that actually were in college for more than one year. And Doug McDermott was, or Jimmy Fredette was an absolute flame out. And then Markeith Morris um, not great. So thank you folks so much for listening. Dylan, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to make sure you be on the lookout for part two. Thank you so much for listening to this two part episode. Um, JD was a blast and I want to thank Dylan for knocking out a few pots with me a month ago. Again, apologies for the dogs. Um, I can't control them. So <laughs> hopefully those don't bother you guys too much. Um, make sure you check out our wonderful offerings for the running hook podcast network make sure you're checking out insanity football season is starting next week um so make sure you're checking that out i think they have one more nfl preview and that is the afc south saving the i don't know if i would say it's the best probably like average-ish for for last so make sure you check that out um top 100 pods we're going to start dropping soon. And boy, <laughs> the first one's a doozy. Um, JD and I still got to record the last two, but make sure you check those out. And then make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Don't know what Zach's up to necessarily, but when he's out, boy, it'll be great. So thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Bye.